What's up, podcast listener? Welcome to the B2B podcast, basketball to business. If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives with a game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs, how they built their businesses, and make a living from the game that they love. Now for the show. This is Myson Jones with Hoops Institute, and I have with me a skills consultant, director of skill development for Jordan NBA, Adidas, Nike, WNBA. It probably can't go down the list because it's too long, but we've had uh, technical difficulties, and you know what? We're just going to jump right into this, man. J-Law, is that cool with you? That's fine with me, my man. <laughs> Good deal. You're at Starbucks right now, kicking it. <laughs> so um, we won't keep you out there too long. But first, first question I want to ask after you finished uh, after you finished your college season, when did you really start training, and when did you start to see that this can be something that you can do full time for a career? Well, when I got done playing my last season in Mexico, uh, I came back, and my my family I come from a very conservative family, so my family was pressuring me. They were putting so much pressure on me to find a job with security, with benefits, with you know, that had job security. So. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about basketball training as being like the end all, you know, end all profession. And then it came just literally like Lord's blessing. Uh, it came out of nowhere. Two clients turned to four, which turned to 16, which turned to, you know, 80, which turned to, you know, 150. So it just kind of blossomed into something. So it was never, it wasn't like a, an over the night thing. It was just something that was fueled by my passion and it just kept on building and growing, you know, growing kind of organically rather than, uh, rather than something that was, you know, premeditated. So it was, it, it, it honestly, God was, was a true blessing, but it was a testament as well to, to, to my passion and to my drive to really focus on getting each individual better that was on the court with me. Right. So what were you doing? Did you have like a job that you were doing and you were training on the side or? Yeah, I actually, I started up, uh, started up a, a company when I was in high school with my two younger brothers uh, so we had a, a property management company, which we turned into an investment company. So business is something that's always been, you know, bred in within my family. Uh, but in the same token, it was uh, it wasn't my pa- I wasn't driven to be, you know, behind a desk. So, you know, my my work week, my work day went from nine to five to nine to three to nine to noon to I'm not coming in today uh, throughout <laughs> the course of my training sessions. That's why I know how that is. So, what, what were you doing for yeah. at this time? What were you doing for gym time? How were you? Where were you going? Like the rack or? Oh man, it basketball training. Any any true basketball trainer knows that it's a hustle, that it's a grind. Especially out here in California, uh, we're blessed and fortunate to have the sun about 360 days out of the year, out of the 365. So we can find outdoor courts and, and gym time, but. Uh, but the indoor gym time is is very very tough. It's very sporadic. There's programs all over the place, so you gotta move and shake. Because a lot of times, you know, these programs like a rec league, a rec uh, rec center, or a boys and girls club won't allow trainers to go in there uh, for monetary gain. Um, they'll allow you to go in there and play, but as soon as you're making that outside money, you know they're going to be charging gym fees. So uh, for me, you know, growing up, I was always trying to fly under the radar and you know just get as many free opportunities, the lowest overhead I could possibly you know, attained, which was phenomenal for my business because I kept on going into you know different niches and different gyms and I was driving a hundred and something miles a day. It was something ridiculous. Uh, we go into a different story on that, but, but I was getting my, uh, that localized attention 
and it was starting to spread feelers around the area to where I had the external kind of like out, uh, outlying cities kind of engulfed with, they knew who I was. I drove a, a 2005 Prius that had my company logo, kid you not, company logo, name, banner, all written on it. Top of it was a basketball. It had the, the pattern of a basketball. It was bright orange, like the ugliest thing you will ever imagine, not to mention that it's a Prius. And it was my driving billboard. So every time I'd park it at a gym, I was getting notification. People knew who I was. Now, yeah, it didn't help me with being incon- inconspicuous because as soon as the, the people at the rec center saw that, you know, my car had parked it, they knew, you know, they knew I was trained and they knew I was, I was up to something. But for me, for my business, you know, long-term, it helped out unbelievably. So I would bounce around from gym to gym. I'd get uh, uh, opportunities uh, through working out like Boys and Girls Club. I worked out a couple of their programs. So they allowed me to get some gym time. So uh, just a lot of hustling, a lot of moving and shaking. Man, don't knock the Prius. I have a, I have a Prius right now, 2016. Hey, I'm not knocking the Prius, man. They're one of my favorite cars. I still have a Prius. I, as soon as my, my other one had 297,000 miles on it. Oh, 297. God. So I have I have one right now, man. Don't worry, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. Just making sure, man. Fifty <laughs> miles to the gallon, you can't beat that, especially if you're driving a hundred miles a day. Man. What's that? Wow. Oh man, that was it was it was miserable, but it was necessary. Um, you know, I really in a in a marketplace that's like San Diego or Southern California, it's such a dense market where you have little pockets and niches of of I hate to say this, but but affluent clients. So the La Jolla's, the Del Mar's, the Carmel Valley's, uh, you know, all these different little areas, it made no sense to kind of, you know, only allocate myself to one position. So I thought, okay, you know, if I can touch the Del Mar's, the Carlsbad's, the, you know, the Sandy, you know, the La Jolla's throughout the course of my week, come the weekend sessions when I have a central located, you know, group session, I can pull in all these different clients from these neighboring areas and make it you know, kind of like a, an all-encompassing San Diego, greater San Diego area. So for me, like I understood the long-term game, the long-term uh, side of it. And that's why I devoted so much time and, and hassle and, and pain to, you know, to driving around on a daily basis. So what was the, the tough part? Obviously the mileage on the car, but how would you, what would you say the, the darker times were for you? Obviously you were ducking and dodging gyms. You were trying to get in certain pockets, but was it driving the worst part or take me to some of the days where you're like, man, this kind of sucks. 100%, 100% it was driving. You know, I, I tried to make excuses for it. Like, Oh, it's therapeutic. Oh, I can get all my calls done. Oh, it's this. I, in the end, you know, in the end, I looking back at it, I spent about, you know, for the greater part of, you know, three hours a day in the car, you know, sometimes more when I drive to LA or drive, you know, you know, drive to, to a little bit deeper. And you think about all the time lost. And I was trying to, I was computing like my hourly rate, you know, versus, uh, you know, versus my time spent in the car. I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm hosting eight sessions a day, but I'm driving, you know, three hours. I'm making, turning my eight hour workday into an 11 hour workday. Like that's just taxing on my body. And I started like trying to think like, okay, how can I maximize this? Uh, you know, to, to make, you know, to, for it to make sense, to be as efficient as possible. Now there come, there came a point where I was like, you know, this is necessary. This is pertinent to, to my growth and and, and my sustainability in the area. And, and I need to do it now. I need to put in that grunt work. I wanted it, but got to a point where I was like, you know what, it's time to, 
you know, to get off that and to make sure I've already made a name for myself uh, in the San Diego or Southern California area. And it was one of those things where I just wanted to, I wanted more out of my, my daily efforts. So that's when I, I got my first and second facility. So I have a facility now in San Diego and I also have a facility in Orange County in Irvine. My wife and I live up in, in Irvine now. We relocated. So, um, Ever since then, it's it's kind of like I laid all the groundwork, and now I can just cruise down my own path. Right. So I've talked, I've spoken with a couple of guys who have academies. They have multiple locations, but the commonality I've seen is a lot of them have real estate backgrounds, or they have somebody who's yeah. been in real estate or property management or something like that. Right. So what would that process be for? a trainer that is really looking to get their own place. I know a lot of people aren't in that position. They're moving ahead of themselves, but what would that the first step be for a trainer who's looking into that? Make sure you have the proper relationships. So um, it's a very tough thing to navigate, especially now where uh, business managers, you know, you know, business gurus and, and, and real estate moguls are understanding the value that, you know, basketball programs, basketball gyms have. So a lot of my, you know, relationships, a lot of my facilities are based off of, you know, personal relationship status. VCs, uh, CEO of ASICS, uh, um, up here. And I understand I came from the real estate background and property. I understand the value of, of real estate, you know, fiscally versus uh, just trying to say, oh, yeah, I got a facility, but I'm paying $8,000 a month in overhead. And it's just one of those things that I, I, I weighed out my options, but I made sure that the relationships that I had were, you know, were, were steadfast, that were, were sound. So um, a lot of the things that I, I function a little bit differently than, than a lot of trainers. Um, so I don't, I'm not, boot, I'm, I'm not a appeal to the masses type trainer. And a lot of guys, especially in this business, in order to have your own facility, uh, run your own facility, you need to be uh, a trainer that appeals to the masses to bring in as much to cover your overhead, correct? And when I go through my business, I, I base a lot of things on boutique. So I'm very boutique style. I charge a premium for my product. I have very small numbers because uh, I believe in the attention to detail and the, the, the pretty much uniqueness, the quality of my content. And with that comes uh, a different source of income, different flow of income. So uh, with that, I structured my contracts differently uh, for my, my facilities. And it's based more so on percentage base, especially for me. I'm out of town a lot of the year. So I'm in different countries. I'm doing all this stuff. So when I leave, it doesn't, I don't have no literally zero qualms with leaving, having some of my trainers kind of cover my nut uh, in the facility. And I don't have to worry about, I'm sorry, I don't have to worry about covering my nut for the, for the overhead for the gym costs. So it's phenomenal. I have very, very low overhead. Uh, my margins are extremely high because of the way I've structured my uh, facilities on a percentage base. And I still have, you know, my residual income from my programs. I still have my uh, trainers on staff in San Diego and Irvine that, you know, keep me up to speed when I'm gone. But as I said, I function as a boutique style trainer. And one of the hardest things in the service industry is to replicate the service that you produce. So a lot of my, a lot of my clients is, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of my clients, when they get in the gym with me, they don't want to train with uh, you know, one of my other trainers. They don't want to train with, with somebody else. They want me. Or if somebody gets in the gym with my trainer and they've, you know, become keen to that, that trainer, they want to train with them and nobody else. So in a service industry, people fall in love with the personality. They fall in love with, you know, with the, the person. And it's really hard to replicate that. And a lot of guys are out there who, 
who, who have a ton of trainers who function, you know, who understand the scalability aspect of it. Uh, like the big time guys, uh, I know, you know, all of them. And they've kind of gotten to a point now where they can, they can't certify trainers. They do all this stuff. And I'm in the process of getting things down a little bit differently where, uh, and you'll see here, I know you, my son are, are part of the JLB ball trainers guide to success. We talk about that in the fourth, fifth and sixth months uh, of the programs, kind of the, the way that I go into structuring my business uh, from a long-term aspect, from a scalable you know, aspect. But for the most part, I know there's a long rounded off you know, answer to your question. Uh, but for as far as gyms are concerned, you have to make sure that you're getting in bed with the right, you know, with the right people. Um, cause there's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of business developers and, and gym facility managers. that are just trying to, you know, take, take, take. And it's really hard to, you know, to make a living when you have such a high overhead. Man, that's a good answer. And I, I have an idea where I want to go after that. You said something in particular, uh, what I've found is, and again, I'm starting, just starting this out. I actually, I left my job three weeks ago because, you know, my background is in marketing from school and I believe so much in the marketing and intertwining basketball and marketing together, right? I mean, it's what you, it's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's what your life is, is built off of with the masses. Um, I've seen churches, charities are the ones that are most willing to give time for the rental space. Have you ever had any experiences with churches? In, 100%. In, okay. 100%. The Mormon churches have been extremely grateful. We've got uh, not too many uh, other churches, outside churches, have facilities, unfortunately, here. Um, probably because the, the cost of, of real estate is so high, so steep. So they don't really have much space to allocate to a facility. But I have I, I've ex, I've extre- uh, experienced uh, extreme gratefulness from organizations like that. So my question next is you mentioned scaling, you know, scaling services and you're kind of moving in a different direction. I, I saw that. I'm not sure if you're still with them or not, but you're with you were with I'm Possible, right? You created a profile. How did that help or hurt you? And yeah, let's answer that first. How has that helped you or hurt you? What's the idea behind that move? So this is something that I also talk about in uh, in our Trainers Guys Success is is to make sure that you spread your reach. So it's so important, especially starting out. You know, Micah, Michael Lancaster is an unbelievable businessman. He's an unbelievable trainer. And there's a lot of things that he teaches that are just top-notch. I, I believe that his detailing, as well as a couple other trainers in this business, are very similar to what I myself and, you know, my teaching. So him and I got along, you know, extremely well, extremely quickly. And when I, when he first approached me to, to do some game enhancement stuff, some game improvement things, uh, I, he asked me to write a complete program. So I wrote a, I believe it was 70 something pages on, on game improvement, the game enhancement aspect of basketball. So the two, two types of trainers, skill and game. And I believe I'm a fusion of both where you teach the skill enhancement concepts that fuse or implement into the game situational aspect of basketball, which is the most imperative part. Uh, of training, make sure that you're not creating robots, but you're creating monsters, right? So we went, uh, as soon as he, as soon as he came to me, uh, I saw it as an extreme benefit to my company, to my brand, because of his reach, because of, of his niche for me to be seen a little bit more. And it did, it helped me out immensely. I was able to, 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 to attain a, a bunch of, of new clientele or just have the awareness, the brand awareness that, you know, I was who I am 
in Southern California and I was able to keep, you know, the Jordan Lonely basketball brand, which was extremely important to me, making sure that I have that brand recognition uh, and that I'm not, you know, even though I was under the umbrella of I'm possible, I still was my separate entity. I still was my own entity. So um, I feel like it was, a, it was a phenomenal play on my part. It was a great uh, opportunity uh, that Micah allowed me to do. And I would do it again in a heartbeat if I had the choice. Okay. Man, that was a perfect answer. <laughs> so next question. Do you outsource? You have 140, 151 follower, thousand followers and it's growing on Instagram. Do you outsource anything or is it just you, your phone, and that's it? No, I have a, I have a business manager, uh, a U.S. business manager, a China business manager. Um, I have a web, a web designer. I got a program flyer, a content creator. Uh, I got videographer. Uh, there's definitely, we talked about it just right before we hopped on this call, you know, outsourcing. And one of the biggest things that I know you will, will agree with, if you're not great at something, outsource it because it's only going to diminish your product and you're only going to be able to focus, you know, one thing that I, I truly believe on, I believe, believe in is focus what you are great in 100%, put all your effort into that and anything else where you sacrifice your greatness, where you sacrifice the amount of intent and energy you're able to put forth to that thing, outsource, get rid of it, have somebody else who's great at it, do it. Because for me, like when I get on the court, when I get in front of a camera, when I get, you know, in front of people running a camp, that's what I'm great at. I believe in it and I'm confident with it. I'm not conceited. I'm not cocky. There's a bunch of people that are great as well, but I believe that's what I am great at. That's what the Lord put me on this earth to do, to preach to kids in the basketball setting or NBA or anybody preach to players. But the other things like we briefly spoke about, I am awful when it comes to technology. Like I am so bad when it comes to the back end side of it that I have other people doing that. I have other people that, that control that aspect of my business. And it's for me, it gives me the time for with my wife, which is first and foremost, you know, time, time with family is the most important thing to me. And then it gives me time to just focus on what I do best. So you, ah, man, so, so many ways I want to go down this. What would you tell that trainer who's, you were there briefly uh, a few years back, yeah. maybe a decade back, but what would you tell that trainer who's bootstrapping right now, who doesn't have a budget, but has to find a videographer or wants to find a videographer and kind of trade something of an equal value? How would you suggest that trainer go about it if they don't have cash to pay somebody? Barter, 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 barter. So videographers are just as in flux as basketball trainers, meaning you turn the corner, you got another basketball trainer, you have another videographer. So videographers understand this whole ball is life movement. They understand the hoop mixtape stuff and they're trying to get into the business because they understand the value of their, their, their abilities of their service. So you'll be able trainers, no matter where you are, whether it's North Dakota, North Carolina or California, you guys can handle this. You guys can, you know, barter your service and, and find somebody who's willing to do it for either a very, whether it's a cheaper price or just the fact that, that, uh, you know, you can barter your service for it, give them, you know, content uh, or allow their content to be streamed on your site, on your webpage. Cause people are looking for, you know, press kit. Uh, videographers are looking for products where they can utilize as, as a press kit for, for future, you know, larger clientele, larger businesses. So I've done that. And that's one thing that's so important to, to understand is you have to make sure that you don't try to scale too quickly. Like 
focus on you know building your brand building your uh your 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 motives you know what your mission statement is how you can you know best produce the best possible you know best possible business model for yourself first before you work on you know spending money on videographer or you know spending money on a business manager a lot of trainers early on they don't need all that stuff i didn't need all that stuff it wasn't until about a year ago where i started realizing like okay now i can kind of outsource because a, my plate is getting too full. I have too many coals in the fire. And B, there's no need for me to, you know, to, to waste my time when I have, you know, discretionary spending that I can, you know, use for these, these extra services, these external services and have still have a high ROI. So if from an early onset, like trainer standpoint, if you don't have the necessary funds, if you are, uh, you know, beginning this, don't worry, don't feel stressed. Like you need to cop a business manager right away or have a PR agent. Like you don't need it. It's all going to come in due time. And you'll know when you start, when your place starts getting too full and your bank account will tell you that, uh, uh, will tell you accordingly. Man, it's a great answer. Great answer. So you, a little brief uh, aside right here, you just got back from the All-Star Weekend. You got to hang out with Drew Hanlon. You got to hang yeah. out with Dot. I played against Dot in college at Lincoln Memorial. Dude's, dude's hilarious. Hey. Um, He's so funny, man. Yeah, so who is the coolest cat that you got to meet there? Oh my gosh. Coolest dude I got to meet. Probably kid you not, no basketball relation whatsoever. Andy Grammer, the singer, Andy Grammer was probably one of the coolest guys, <laughs> coolest guys I met the whole weekend. And it was probably because like I trained him for the celebrity game. And usually when you train celebrities, uh, you never know what you're gonna get. Some of them, you know, obviously have a stigma and uh when I met when I met Andy, he was just so hungry to learn to get better, and it was just really cool to kind of see that and kind of you know share the same passion over a, a sport that I had no idea that he had a you know a love for. And him and I got along really well. He's like, "Oh man, Jordan, I live in L.A. You know, I'm gonna you know call you. We're gonna we do." He's like, "We do a, a singer songwriter you know pickup game every Saturday, and we're gonna hustle these cats. We're gonna say that I've been writing mad music with you. you got a dope falsetto, and then you play a mad keyboard, and we're just gonna hustle them." So it was like, it's just like really cool banter. We enjoyed each other's time. And um, he was a really dope person uh, to hang out with, to meet. And I saw him the entire weekend. So over the course of, you know, three days, we were hanging out continuously. Uh, but probably the, the coolest basketball, um, basketball person that I was able to meet was probably Steve Smith. So him and I got to talking, um, you know, Steve Smith. Uh, and he's going to have me out there for under the, his under the rim segment on TNT. Um, out in Atlanta. So there's a bunch of things coming um, in the woodworks, but such a great guy, such a personable guy. And I love being, I love being in, within the all-star environment and culture because NBA guys, XNBA guys kind of let their guard down. So they become a little bit more uh, approachable because they know that the people that are there with them are of the same scope. They're of the same background. Wow, man. And I'm, I'm jumping around everywhere here because I'm a lot of these things it. are coming coming up and usually I go in a, a sequence, but there's so many things to talk about. What before you got to the level you're at now, did you have any kind of limiting beliefs? Like some trainers are like, I don't want to be on Instagram. I don't want to have my phone in my hand while my guys are working out or what were your yeah. limiting beliefs that you had before you scale? So there's a ton of things that I still don't you know believe in. Um, and it's a lot of a lot of content, that, a lot of things that just go back to the content that I'm creating. You know, I, I have to make sure that it's not a show, that it's not a circus show. I have to make sure that, you know, I'm not doing it uh, for a video to try to produce like amazing content. I'm there for, for my client. So 
at any point, if I jeopardize my business, and this goes back, uh, goes back to establishing a, a true business statement and making sure that you have that, you know, what you believe in, what you follow and make sure that you're true to it. And I'm true to mine. I, I know what my goal is. I know what my, uh, what my beliefs are. And uh, at any point, if I feel like I'm jeopardizing it, I can pull the plug on, on the things that I'm doing in an instant. I won't even let it get to the point where I'd have to say, hey, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I can't be doing this because I've been doing this for, you know, consistently for so long. So, um, and I'm still new to this, you know, as far as doing it for a profession, but I'm, I'm just very consistent with, with what I believe um, should be done or should be taught on the court. So yeah, that makes sense because a lot of trainers, they don't, want to well some do want to do like the circus you said circus and the the cool tricks the cool dribbling drills because it it is nice for marketing purposes it gets followers right but what what is the balance there between having a great marketing but also making sure that your product is actually going to help other kids versus just having cool marketing yeah so i i stretch my my reach i have multiple platforms so my training sessions if you noticed a lot of my, I don't rely on my training sessions as my marketable tool. Um, I rely on what I can do as far as my abilities to be able to break down skills content, to be able to promote uh, or to do an amazing YouTube skill breakdown. And I don't rely on the way that I train to be sexy. I'm not a sexy trainer, like just plain, plain and simple. I, 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 I label sexy trainers as the ones that are in it for the monetary value. They're in it for the, you know, for the fame, for the status who, when they do something within a group, within a, you know, within a clinic setting, within a private setting, group set, it doesn't matter. They they do it because of the appeal factor. They do it because it looks good to somebody walking into the gym for the first time or it looks good online. And that's not who I am. So I rely on other avenues on my uh, on my other content that I create in order to promote my brand from that uh, from that regard. Man, so you, I know in your, in your trainer's guide to success, you teach about imaging yourself or, or just have, finding your identity, yeah. right? And you seem like you stretch all lines. You go from the group to the individual to the, the, everything except the coaching. Am I right? Or how do you identify yeah. yourself? So, so when we talk in the trainer's guide to success, we talk about kind of staying in your own lane. And uh, there's a coach from a coaching setting, like where you're coaching a group or coaching a team. Uh, you have strength conditioning, you have uh, skill enhancement, or you have you know game enhancement, and you want to make sure that you're staying within your lane. And even though it may seem like uh, I kind of jump courses, uh, there's a lot when you're in traffic, like early on. Uh, so if you're a beginner trainer and you're stuck in traffic, sometimes it makes sense to weave in and out of traffic or to evade a, a, a stalled car in order to find yourself in the correct lane in order to speed down the highway, right? So when you go through this business, when you go, when you're learning your, your, your identity, I trust me, I went from the skill development to the coach. I was an AAU coach for, you know, for a year, uh, for a few seasons. Uh, and I was doing a uh, strength condition. I was doing plyometric work, plyometric training. I was doing game hands, I was doing skill. So I was jumping around lanes and then I started seeing those open patch of lanes where I was like, Hey man, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm great at. This is what I'm going to stick with. Because if you jump from, you know, all these different hats and you start bouncing around back and forth, it starts taking away from your overall value and overall time that you can allot to getting better in that one craft. You know, if I'm a, a strength conditioning trainer who's trying to jump back to the skill enhancement side or the skill development side, it's going to make it very hard for me to grow as a skill development trainer when I have to focus my, uh, focus my betterment on, you know, being 
both. You know, I can only allocate so much time throughout the course of a day to perfecting my craft or to get, you know, to get myself better in those, in those aspects. So, um, to start off, yeah, man, jump lanes, figure it out. But as you start establishing more of a name for yourself, bigger business for yourself, you have to be solidified and be select with, with the lane that you stay in. So what, what would you say is the, for your personal experience, the best way that you've marketed and that's gotten you the most clients? So the best way from an online setting, from a, uh, an online social media setting, is that what you're talking about? Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, the best thing is, is expanding my, my reach from different niches. So having, you know, different, you know, different pages, you know, shout me out or having, uh, I was involved with the Nike summer series, uh, in 2014 with Kyrie Irving to help kind of get jumpstart, be like a cat, act as a catalyst for my brand, for my business. So never, you know, trying to withhold this could do collaborations. Uh, I encourage every single trainer out there to collab with different trainers. I run a camp. I run multiple camps every year with the top trainers in the world. Not because I'm trying to, with, you know, not because I'm, I think of them as competitors, but because I think of them as, as brand builders where if I get in, you know, in the gym with them, I'm not just reaching my clientele. Now I'm reaching their clientele as well. And we're producing an amazing product because we have two minds working on the betterment of our, of our clients rather than just one. So, um, there's a lot of things that a, a lot of trainers will try to withhold to try to stay, you know, you know, kind of re, you know, as a recluse and, and be like, ah, oh, man, I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing because what I'm doing is better than what they're doing. And, you know, that's, you can't have that mindset. You know, the pie is big enough for everyone. And it's even bigger if you start taking nibbles off of other people's pie. And I'm not saying that as a, as a, as a means of, of being negative or, or, uh, a means of being, uh, like negligent, you know, I'm saying this is everybody, every trainer or coach should do this in order to get more of that global brand awareness. That's a good, that's a good point. And again, like we said already, like a lot of this stuff is, is scarcity mindset in this, in this yeah. market. I mean, why, what makes you want to give away what trainers got success? What makes you want to give away so much knowledge and give access to yourself at and I'm not going to disclose the price right now, but at that price, such a low <laughs> price. Because I, I, I'm in it for the right reason. And I think every trainer needs to understand that we're all in it for the commonality, for the common goal to get our clients better. And throughout that process, we also have to understand that we're, this is a profession. This is a career for us where we have to provide for families. And what I want nothing more is to make sure that trainers across the globe, coaches, trainers, no matter what, sports you're even coaching or training like the trainers guys success isn't just for you know solidifying you know building a, a successful business you know in basketball it's for any sport any trainer but if you can do this the correct way if you can teach the the game the right way and and understand how to build your business the correct way that's that's what we're in it for we're in it to get every player that steps in the gym with us better and and i want to make sure that that that, that knowledge is known to everybody who can get their hands on, on our program. That's great. That's great. And I, I'm not sure what, what is your time availability right now. I want to be respectful of that. Yeah, I got to take off here in about two minutes, two minutes. Oh man. Okay. So last, last thing, if that's the case, why should trainers, if you have one more reason, why should trainers look into the trainers guys for success and follow you up? on that? Oh man, this answer could take longer than two minutes. Um, <laughs> So one thing, I'll just stick with, with one thing, um, ROI. 
So return on investment. There's so much filler and fluff content that's out there. There's so many things that, you know, books and, and programs that trainers can buy to, you know, to, for their betterment, to get them better, to you know, certifications and all these things. And I'm here for our return on your investment. And with my program, it's, we've established nothing but ROI from every single person that's involved with it. So I have trainers from Puerto Rico, from Canada, from United States, all over the United States. And every single person that you know starts my program, and granted, it's, it's still new in inception. It still has three months. You have to, like, you have, to have some return on, on what you're putting forth, the, the things that you're purchasing, the things that you're spending your time, energy, energy and, and, money, you know, and money you know, toward. And I feel like with, with my uh, trainer's guide to success, there's will there will be ROI in your future. You just have to make sure you stay your course and continue to build the way that we've kind of outlined throughout it. So return on investment is is probably one of the biggest things that will separate my program from others. Folks, you've heard it from the man himself, J-Law, B-Ball. I will include a link to his trainer's guide to success in the show notes. Jordan, man, I appreciate your time and thanks for serving these trainers and thanks for jumping up on this interview, man. Man, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mason. No problem. Take care. All right, man. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, can't thank you enough for listening. I hope you're enjoying the inside look at some uber successful basketball training businesses. You can also learn more from these trainers and entrepreneurs in our private Facebook group at www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash Hoops Institute. And last but not least, if you've been thinking about starting or growing your own basketball training business, check out www.hoopsinstitute.com backslash playbook for your free 30-day website trial. I'm genius, being that genius. Winning with my team, and we just big in that dream. And how we gon' get this cream and be shopping all that needs? 20-